You're listening to the Recoveredish Podcast. I'm your host, licensed therapist, Amanda E. White. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited because my friend Maggie, fellow therapist, Instagram therapist, parenting expert, we we don't know what we are. We have lots of different things this year. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so Absolutely. happy to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you. We, we've done a couple chats. We're shame girlies. It's hard to yes. find people who are into, as into shame as I am. Not the feeling of shame, right. but helping people recover from shame. Absolutely. So in case anyone doesn't follow you, Maggie, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself and what people should know about you? Who am I? So (laughs) I was a good kid. That's like probably the most important thing to know. The thing that has had like the biggest impact on my life is that I I was a good kid. I was the perfect child and I've just spent my whole freaking life recovering. Like, I suffered in silence. I was so worried about disappointing and letting down, feeling like a burden. I've I've been on my healing journey now, healing all of the trauma for 16 years, and I'm in recovery. Perfectionism, people-pleasing, mm. my control needs, my codependency, yeah. my crippling fear of freaking disappointing people and making people mad. Mm. That was one of the last to fall. The vicious self-hate, my inner critic, having no boundaries, and an eating disorder. Like, and So I've just, I've been through a lot, yeah. <laughs> but I've learned along the way a lot about how to heal myself. And so Mm -hmm. I share now kind of if you are someone who struggles with low self-worth, who struggles with feeling like nothing you do is good enough, struggling to believe you deserve love, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling like there's something fundamentally wrong with you, that's all shame stuff. And we can learn how to heal. There's like a cluster of parts Mm -hmm. unconsciously that make up an inner critic part, the Mm -hmm. part that's so mean. And we can mistake that part for our highest self like I did before I knew better. And so we can learn to separate from that part and we can learn to observe our inner critic with curiosity and learn from it. And it, it just changed my life so spectacularly. And so now I um, initially was like all parenting content with my parenting framework, parenting with perspectacles. And I still share the parenting content, but I got a little burned out. So now I'm sharing more about my, you know, my journey and like my specialty as a therapist is in trauma and healing low self-worth and kind of just a lot of the things that we've that I've talked about today, like all the good kid stuff and teaching parents how to heal themselves and reparent themselves alongside their child. Like we can't see what our child needs from us. We can't see how Mm. hurtful it is to give them the silent treatment until we've Uh. like felt the pain of being given the silent treatment from our parent. We we have to heal that first. Otherwise I'm like, it's fine. It's not fine. It wasn't fine for me. And Mm. so I'm going to like be blinded, defended from seeing that impact on my kids. We have to like walk through our stuff, not like 16 years of therapy worth, but like we do kind of need to like show up and like mm-hmm. and walk through some of that and acknowledge some of the ways our our parenting impacted us and all the freaking shame. It's like confetti. It gets mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. I think what's so interesting too about shame is it's just so paralyzing. Like I always think of it as it's just this like heavy coat over everything that just sucks the life out of you and is so debilitating and makes it so hard to take action or to process things. And so often I see one of the most insidious things is when we have shame about, like you were saying, who we are or our emotions, it completely prevents us from being able to process or work through our emotions. 
Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I my theory about why we have shame and why it's so debilitating. Have we ever talked about that? No, tell me. So we know shame is one you and I know. I'm assuming a lot of people here have heard too that shame is one of our five basic human emotions. Yeah. Like it's one of the basics. It's been around since the beginning. And I remember one day just having this like thinking day where I was like trying, I was like, my brain is kind of obsessive sometimes. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to figure this out. Why? 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 Like, okay, shame's trying to protect us, but like, why does it have to be so mean? Why does it yeah. have to be like this? And what came up for me was back in the day, in like caveman days, mm-hmm. they didn't have jails mm. and police officers. And so yeah. I think like they had to have some way that if you violated the group norms yeah, and the rules around like not putting the group in jeopardy and things there Mm -hmm. had to be this like internal like authority Mm -hmm. to kind of like put you back in line Mm. you know and so I think like we're not in that place we're worried about like bobcats and things yeah (laughs) but I think as when we were children I think shame paid really close attention Mm. to the moments where we were made to feel ashamed yes by our parent and is now our drill sergeant inside reflecting that all back to us like I had this moment when I was like six months postpartum Mm. which is where you are right now yeah um with my second and my body had been through hell he was born early like I'd gone septic I think Mm. I'd been on like 20 courses of antibiotics in six months like my body you know and I got out of the shower one day and I'm looking and I'm like why can't I love my body? Like, why? Mm. Like, why? Yeah. You know, I know how much it's been through and yet here I am just judging it. And for the very first time ever, I heard my inner critic talking and like recognized it as my inner critic. My inner critic walks up and having this internal conversation, my inner critic's like, ugh, we got to do something about this. Yeah. And so inside I'm like, here you go again. You are so mean. Mm. And my inner critic goes, your mother loves you more when you're thin. Mm. I'm just trying to help you be more lovable. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Right? It's just, it learned that thin Maggie gets more love than heavy Maggie. And so I need you to be that way. Yeah. And it's not trying to hurt me. It's actually the opposite. It's like trying to protect me. Yeah. It just doesn't realize that that was bullshit. Right. Right. Well, and I think it's so hard too because you think of parents and you think of, right, a lot of times they're consciously, like unconsciously, right, trying to prepare you, right? Or it's like if we're talking about this in terms of like girls and women and body image and things like that is like they're trying to be like, well, I am going to make it okay for you. I want to prepare you for the fact that other people will like you more if you're thin or this is how a woman should dress. This is how a woman should look. This is the type you shouldn't ever go out of the house not having, you know, makeup on or this or that. And it's really crazy to just think about like my own experience too, because my parents really thought that that was helpful. They would like point out people who were not fit and would be like, you don't want to end up like that. This is helpful for you because we want to protect you from that. And it is so wild when you back up from it. And when you start to unhook yourself from society's expectations to see how mean that is, but also how it's just, it's such a different flip to go to, I love you no matter what, and I don't need to prepare you. Like I'm going to be here to support you through this versus I'm going to try to change you to fit in with the world. And that's my solution in helping you. Yes. I went very viral on TikTok for my video about I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yes. Oh, I loved that one. Will you tell people about that one if they don't know? I get so much flack for that. It's gone viral on both platforms and like the hate. I think parents feel like I'm taking away their best parenting tool. Mm. 
and you might argue that's true, but like yeah. there's a cost to yeah. that tool. It's very effective. Yeah. So when we make kids feel like we are disappointed in them because yeah. of our incomprehensibly profound impact on them and yeah. their sense of self and how they yeah. see themselves and how they feel about themselves, the internalized belief is I'm a disappointment, mm. right? It's not, I disappointed you here, but I'm good. It's, right. oh, I'm fucking worthless now. You don't yeah. even love me when I'm like this. And I don't yeah. deserve love when I act like this. Like all the parents that come after me and like clients have sat on my couch and been like, no, that, that, that phrase made me better. I'm yeah. like, oh, I know you believe yeah. that right now. That's not true. But I understand that, you know, yeah. that you believe that that made you better. But like shame is corrosive. Mm. Shame is poison. There's no right. safe dose of poison, right? Yeah. Poison is poison. Yeah. And when we make kids feel like they, we are disappointed in them, it makes them hate themselves. When I've had so many kids sit on my couch yeah. and cry because they hate themselves because yeah. they disappointed their parent and let them down. Like I'll be like, well, have you told them about this anxiety mm. or the cutting? And they're like, no. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well, we have to, yeah. you know, depending on what they've disclosed. And they're like the fear in their eyes. Like the, yeah. it's not fear, it's terror. Yeah. And, and like from a nervous system standpoint, because shame feels like a threat to our nervous system. Yes. It, yes. They move into like a sympathetic response where they're in fight, flight, bond, freeze. And the terror is survival terror. Mm-hmm. It's like, because if we go back to the origins of shame, like, yeah. Shame told them, if you do this again, they're going to send you out on your own. Right. And you're going to die. Absolutely. No, it's, it is so, I mean, whenever I look at my daughter, like I think about just how completely perfectly evolved she is to survive at all costs, right? Like it, like it's not always convenient, <laughs> but I mean, like she does not not get her needs met because she has to and because she doesn't have the concept yet, right, of like shame or pleasing me or any of those things. It's just, you can see evolution, I think, so interestingly in kids. It's amazing. Yeah. So like, I mean, modern parenting and like Mm -hmm. the way we're supposed to parent, like modern parenting goals, like hashtag modern parenting goals is when our kid never disobeys. Yeah. Is so good. You know, always so good, so respectful, so well-behaved. Yeah. To me, like my big, I mean, obviously (laughs) the huge thing is I'm only six months into this journey, but my thing of what I try to come back to is I don't want to treat my child one way and then treat her a different way when she's like an adult. And I mean that in a very specific way of like, I don't want to raise a child that is afraid to say no or cares so much about pleasing everyone else or will fit in at all costs, right? Like like you were saying, if you make it so important that your child behaves, that is going to look like your child not being able to speak up when they're, you know, when someone's being mean to them or they're in a hard situation or they're in a relationship where someone is, you know, being terrible to them, they won't be able to leave a job. Obviously, I'm like extrapolating, but I just think sometimes it doesn't make sense how we think that there's a different way that you should be as a child compared to an adult. And we would never tell an adult the most important thing is how they behave and them following rules. Right. Well, I think a child who's succeeding is a good child, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially like girls. 
even more so. My God, a good little girl, right? Yeah. Who doesn't push back, who never has issues, who is so selfless, who never disobeys, who's yeah. afraid of what will happen if they do. Their parent yeah. will get mad at them. Their parent will be disappointed, right? So many people come to me trying to heal people pleasing as an adult mm. and they don't, they like resist the link back to parenting, which yeah. I get like you. And a lot of them come to me like, no, I had a great childhood. Yeah. And you can have a great childhood and still have been parented in this way that created this in yourself. A hundred percent. Well, and I think we've got to separate our parents' intention and their impact, right? Like they did not, and no freaking clue that all these things were going to harm us. And and the intent was not to harm us, but we cannot heal without seeing the impact. And we cannot break these cycles of generational trauma for our kids unless we see the impact that had on us. Yeah, You know, we're going to be defended just like they were from, and some still are like the parents that refused to like, hold space for you hurt me and be able Mm -hmm. to say that, you know, but I think because shame is so paralyzing, like you said, to our nervous system, like becoming, going from a people pleaser to an assertive boss, which is kind of finally (laughs) for 16 years where I am (laughs) most of the time is so much about like nervous system. I know you talk Mm. about this a lot too. Like we, we have to heal our nervous system Mm -hmm. so that it feels safe enough to allow us to be assertive and set boundaries and say no and tell people what we need. Like we must learn to speak to our body in its own language. Like there's Mm -hmm. an emotional side of this and then there's a nervous system regulation side to this. And we have to learn both. And for a long time, I only had the emotional side and I'm like, Mm -hmm. what is wrong with me? Nothing. You've (laughs) got to learn how to regulate your nervous system and like talk to your body in its own language and say, no, it is safe to rock the boat. It is safe if they're mad at us. You're not in danger. It's okay that we ruffled feathers. It's okay that they are like, whoa, what's wrong with her? Who gives a shit what they think about us? Like you have to like, if if it's going to feel unsafe to our nervous system, it's going to feel like a threat to our survival. Mm. Can we just say that again? Is that just like, whoo? If it feels unsafe to rock the boat, to make people mad, to let people down, to ruffle feathers, right? To speak our needs, to say no. If that feels unsafe to our nervous system, then our nervous system, it's going to feel like a threat to our survival. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, parts of us are like, no, dude, no. (laughs) They're going to jump into action heroically, I might add, to shut us down. From that, like, no, 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 we can't act like that to keep us safe. And those parts are working at our unconscious and it's like nervous system and it's also our inner critic. There's like an emotional side to this. And like they are hypervigilantly watching other people's moods, the energy Mm. in the room, right? They're watching it like a hawk and they're working so hard to keep us from acting in ways that would make us feel ashamed. Yeah. Worthless unlovable, like there's something wrong with us, you know, that felt unsafe as a child to do those things. So these parts learned, we have to shut that down at all costs. Right. Right. And your brain doesn't know the difference, like you were saying between, right. Like what is happening sometimes in a memory, what like your body response, or even like, I don't know, to me, I've, I've said this a bunch of different times, logically, right. I can know that my child is fine, but when she is crying, like it does not matter. (laughs) Like I have to deep breathe like and it's just so wild to think about the difference between like my husband's response to her and like mine which you know could be a whole nother episode about you know the connection and moms and all of that stuff and women but yeah I have to like repeat to myself like if she's crying it means she's alive if she's crying mm-hmm. she's alive if she's crying she's doing what she's supposed to be doing and it is just when you zoom out it is just mind-boggling to me 
that again, like you said, the mark of a good parent is like your baby doesn't cry that much or your kids don't throw tantrums or your kid stops asking to have his needs met overnight and sleeps through the night. Yes. One. What I really want to say too is I like so much is luck that we don't talk about. Like my baby is a really good sleeper and I am so lucky and I did not do anything to make that happen. <laughs> like I followed some tips with like, we do a bedtime routine. We try to keep her schedule. But I think that like it drives me insane when I see content on the internet that's just like, I can make any baby do this or any kid do that. And it's just like a lot of it also is just like temperament and the way the yes. baby is. And and we know that kids are born with different like nervous systems and temperaments yeah. and they're all different. And to blame a parent, right, as though they're supposed to have total control it's wild and it creates this whole cycle that you're talking about again and again because our parents were the ones that were told, right, to be good parents. Your kids need to obey. They need to be quiet. They need to be all these things. They try to do it and then they mess up their kids and then they try to do it and there you go, generational trauma. Well, and the cost is devastating. Yeah. Like I've had – I'm not seeing clients anymore or kids anymore, but I've had so many times where I've had a mom call and their family's going through something hard, like, you know, family member dying, a move, divorce, and the mom will be calling about the strong-willed kid. And it's like, okay, I need to get this person in. They're being aggressive. They're talking back. They're being so disrespectful, out of control. I don't even know what to do. And I'm like, okay, tell me about the siblings though. Are you worried about them? No, 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 no. Especially Mm. my oldest. She's doing great. You're like, that's the one that I need to see. She needs to be coming wow. first. Like, I'm not not worried yeah. about the other kids, but, like, right. she is holding her stuff in because kids act out their stress. Babies yes. act out their stress by crying. Yep. Toddlers act out their stress and older kids by pushing boundaries, like, yeah. by being disrespectful. That is acting out stress. Yeah. Right? And so I am, like, it is red flag central for me when people mm-hmm. start describing a child who's going through normal life and mm-hmm. they're, like, always fine. I mean, that was me mm-hmm. and I was not fine. But like, then if we talk about a child going through something hard and like really all transitions are hard for Mm -hmm. kids, transition to a new caregiver, transition to a new routine, like they're all hard. And so if we have a child who's going through a transition, especially a hard one, and they're fine, I'm like, Mm. they're not fine. I want alarm bells to go off for you. Yeah. If you're like, I want to flip this. So like flip the table, like mm-hmm. you are not feeling if your child is disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Like my kids are disrespectful too, because I make it feel safe for them mm-hmm. to resist me because that is how they release stress and regulate down. Mm-hmm. Like that is the sign of a good parent, not when it's yeah. out of control. And like, I, right. for a, I mean, the people pleasing showed up hard for me in parenting. Like it was hard to like upset my kid. It was hard to make them mad at me. And I had to like work through all of that. But like, yeah. It, mar- it is positive when your child melts down. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good thing because they, they're in a balloon and they're about to literally pop. If we don't yeah. like whew, release some of that stress, they're yeah. going to pop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with just how, again, it's what we were talking about where you don't like, I don't want to raise like a well-behaved child. Like I want, like you have to think about what kind of adult you want to raise and what do you want them to be able to do in their life? And I try to just go back to again and again and again, even when, right, like my daughter gets shots or she's crying or something, I try to be like, I can't take away this pain. I can't stop this pain because I think that's a whole nother, right, like avenue too, where some of this 
parenting stuff comes from of trying to control your child, trying to make them behave is, right? Yes. And by the parent, right? Like the parent, you get dysregulated from being around someone who's dysregulated. So you can either get mad at the child for being dysregulated that's impacting you, or you can be like, okay, it's my job as a parent to try to regulate myself to help bring my child into that regulation. Which is so fun when you have no idea how to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Or at least try to not, right, try to stay in it and support them in their dysregulation. And it's, I mean, it's harder, but it is very simple. Oh, my job is just to sit here and let their body do its thing. Just get out of the way. Yeah. That's it. Yes. My job is not to make my child stop crying or to make them do this or that. My job is just to sit there until like they calm down and like provide them a safe space. But it's it's really interesting too because I'm I'm grateful that I have parents that are very like interested in, you know, my child and want to help and stuff like that. And I was telling them about like my parenting philosophy with this and they were like, what? You're not going to put your child in timeout? I, I don't understand. And I was trying to explain this to them. How would you explain that, Maggie? Oh boy. This is a lightning rod in parenting. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I have a couple of very controversial I don't talk opinions. too much about parenting, so maybe this is just, oh. I'm never going to talk. I'm happy about. to go there. Just know. There's a couple of places where I, I have controversial opinions, but yeah. I mean, they're, they're grounded. I stand by them a million yeah. percent, but like, this is one of them yeah. because there is like research and there are people who have read the research who support the use of timeout. They have yeah. never studied shame as a compounding variable though. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like and poison. We can we can think poison is probably a pretty pretty big confounding variable. Like there are things that wouldn't have a big impact, but I think poison probably does. You know? Yeah. So yeah. No, I mean I think number one, a child who's dysregulated will have biological relentless impulses to seek us out. Mm. To seek proximity emotionally and physically to help them regulate. Yeah. Like that is what their brain is fucking wired to do. Well, their brain also isn't fully developed enough to be able to regulate themselves. They can't. Right. Yeah. So they're going to have this relentless impulse to seek us out. Guys, like I'm, this is not coming from a shaming place. I just need to say it and then we'll like circle back. But what we're going to do with timeout is we're going to have this child who has this relentless impulse to seek us out, to come, come close for safety and security and and regulation. And we're going to say no you don't get me. I'm withdrawing Mm -hmm. and I'm going to withhold my support because you're so bad. You're having what is absolutely developmentally appropriate, maddening, triggering, awful, not my favorite parts of parenting, but also Mm -hmm. developmentally appropriate. Every child does this. And so we're going to make them feel like there's something wrong with them Mm -hmm. because they should know better. We're so disappointed. It's like, no, like when my children come to me, I do not push them away. Mm-hmm. I was silent treatment. And I was time out. I was spanked. Mm-hmm. And like, that is a hard line for me. Yeah. But I, at the same time, like, it's so hard because we we're not raised to like regulate. We were raised to bottle. Right. And so my yeah. feet get taken out of me sometimes. And when mm-hmm. I'm at like 10 is like where I like to think about, we blow up. Like 10 is mm-hmm. the release valve. If we hit 10, our body's yeah. like, well, we can go above 10. And I'm pretty sure I spent most of my childhood above yeah. 10. And that's where you dissociate because you're. Yeah. You know, you're too high. But like when I get to like seven out of 10, mm-hmm. I feel like my parts suit up. Mm. All these parts, rage, panic, anxiety. Yeah. And like as a fawn, yeah. a people pleaser, like my healing has been awakening fight mode. 
and allowing mm. fight mode to like help me handle stress instead of mm. fawning and playing dead. I'm like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not scared of you. And like, that means getting my feelings out and like, right. Like mm-hmm. rising up instead of like hunkering down. Mm-hmm. And so the problem with that, it's great, except as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, I think so many of us with mom rage, right? Because yeah. there are parts of me that like I've recently, I'm working through some abandonment trauma and there's parts of me that like have wanted me to give my kids a silent treatment. There's mm-hmm. a part that's like, do it, do it. And I'm yeah. like, no. And it's, I need to heal some stuff. Like some stuff is coming up. Like whatever's happening in the moment is triggering some stuff that feels familiar. Yeah. Maybe my daughter's nine and she's my mini me. So like maybe nine year old Maggie went through some stuff. I don't really know what it is, but like it's okay that we'll have these impulses to shut them down, to send them away, to withdraw Mm -hmm. and withhold support, to give them the silent treatment, to spank. Like we're going to have those impulses. Yes. That's our blueprint. Of course we're going to have those impulses, especially when we're dysregulated. We're going to fall back hard into that blueprint. But like for me, it's just been about like, I had to literally learn at 29 in therapy how to feel my feelings. Mm. Like, how do you do that? I literally yeah. had to ask my therapist that question. Like, I don't even I don't even know where to start, yeah. you know. And a little, 12 years later, I can cry. Yeah. Not to brag, but I can cry again. <laughs> <laughs> After a lifetime of like not, if not feelings, like literally, you know, when you're in the car and you're like, no. It's yeah. like that, but with crying. Yeah. I had these parts that were like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And so then I had nowhere for that stuff to go. And like, yeah. it's so great learning how to feel your feelings. But like, I've had to learn how to feel. And I, frustration is like our magic gift. I feel like mm. in life, but especially in parenting, we have shame about how we were made to feel when we were sad. And we have yeah. shame about how we were made to feel when we were mad. But I think our parents, and it's a codependency, and it's the control thing, but like kind of rescued us out of frustration always. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Right? I totally If we were like agree. frustrated, they'd be like, let me fix that for you. And yes. so we don't really have shame about frustration. It's yeah. like this magic little island that there's like no shame attached. Mm-hmm. And so like... Most of my trauma, and there's mm. a lot, I have released through frustration. Release. Mm. Like when my kid is doing something, I f- try to find the frustration part of it. And I'm like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. And let myself go there so that when I'm at three and I'm climbing, yeah. I'm like got a counter, like the release is the counter. And so if yeah. I, something really, like my kid won't get his clothes on for school, which we're yeah. just moving out of this, thank God. But, you know, if yeah. I'm like, wake up at like a four, generally yeah. that's my in my life, I've got 60% bandwidth on the best day. So it like, I'm trying to get him dressed and I'm climbing to a five. Mm. If I don't release that frustration, now I'm at a five and building. Yeah. Right. And then if that feels familiar in a painful way for Mm -hmm. me, if that feels somewhat familiar about how I was made to feel when I acted like that or how my parent is acting like my kid is acting right now or something, and then other stuff that then suddenly I'm at a 9.5. Yeah. And like, that's going to happen. Your feet are going to, especially if you have trauma and like a lot of shame trauma, your feet are just going to be taken out. And so those times I just do the best I can. And then I always, always, always circle back. And I think the apology is important, but I think in the owning your behavior is important. But to me, the most important part of that is seeing the impact. Mm. Like I hurt you. I can see that I hurt you. I scared you. Mm -hmm. I hurt your feelings. I see that. Right. And acknowledging Mm -hmm. and like owning that impact. But like, Learning how to feel my feelings and letting myself be frustrated at four, so mm-hmm. I regulate back down to three, like not waiting until I'm a volcano about to explode, like letting myself in like in the early days, it was like setting a timer twice a day, mm. like got any feelings to release, seriously, yeah. you know, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> Because yeah. I had to like, but then there's that whole like nervous system thing where I have mm-hmm. to be like, it's safe to release body. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's a safe to release. We don't need to bottle anymore. Yeah. Like, and and with my kids, I have like all these mantras, Amanda. It's like the only way I've survived as a parent. Because my feet get taken out, and yeah. it's like something I can hold on to. Otherwise, I lose all my words and all my thoughts. Yeah. But like, I've had to tell my body over and over again, and I'm nine years in. This is not your mother. This mm. is your child. Yeah. Like we're not in danger. The tidal wave of like, there's a, t- a tiger in my room. That's yeah. my body. Like the way that I get so mad and yeah. so fresh. It's like my body is literally acting like there's a tiger in the room. And I have to tell my body there's no tiger. Mm. And what I mean by that for anybody who's not as yeah. well first with the nervous system is when my child is doing something, if they're acting disrespectfully and I, parts of me remember how that went for me and it did not go well. My parent gave me the silent treatment. My parent got scary mad or my kids are acting like my mother, Mm -hmm. like entitled, very unreasonable. My mom's narcissistic. So like all those things, it's usually, it's one of those two things. And so I have to literally, my body thinks and my nervous system thinks that she's in the room right now. Mm-hmm. Like when we're when we're in fight, flight, fawn, freeze, it either thinks it's my mom or it's a tiger. But like either mm-hmm. way, we're going to act like our life is in jeopardy right now. Yeah. And so we've got to be like body. No, 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 no. There's no tiger. Yeah. And vagus nerve has been like revolutionary for me doing like yeah. the low vagus hums mm. or like a belly breath and on the out, like humming as low as you can because that activates your vagus nerve yeah. and that activates your parasympathetic that moves you out of fight flight. Like that's yeah. been huge. I think it's been surprising how long it's taken me to learn all these things. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know I have a lot of trauma, but like it's harder than any of us ever talk about. There's just so many different places that can get hit. And I just think that it is really interesting with being a parent because you really do see all of the places where you're not healed, Mm. where there's stuff left over. And I've also criticized, like, I think the internet is just so hot and cold and hot and cold. And you kind of either see, I feel like people crying about how horrible it is to be a parent or it's like the best thing ever. And there's not like, the middle and and people did tell me like you are going to miss your child desperately and desperately want to be away from them at the same time and it is it, it like breaks my brain how confusing it is but i also just really didn't understand like if you didn't think you were an animal before when you, <laughs> when you have children you're like i'm an animal <laughs> like my body right? is responding so illogically mm-hmm. to this this is so clear because exactly it's like i would argue even if you don't have trauma it is i mean yeah. maybe there are some people out there i don't know who are just super calm i can't even imagine what that would be like i can't even imagine it I can't. I didn't have rage before children. Yeah. Like I have like an ocean of rage inside. I had no idea it was there. I feel that way a lot too. Where do you think, I mean, there's lots of different theories about rage and stuff like that, but what is your take on like mom rage? So anytime we're vicious and lashing out is coming from a place of shame, Mm. right? Like I can hit 10 and I can be exploding. Right. So there's that mom rage where I've just like, I've run out of space. My body's balloon has popped and now I'm yelling and I don't, it's not even about the thing that sets you off at 10. It's just about the things. And I think when we have an entire generations of Mm. parents who are not, who are only taught how to bottle feelings, that volcano situation is just going to be the norm until we learn how to feel our feelings as we go. Right. So there's that mom rage, the mom rage that like, I can handle that. I feel like I see trauma like a seesaw. 
Yeah. Right. Or like push feelings we push down is like a seesaw. So we have this many feelings we push down and we get this activated. We're going to be up here. Mm, yes, we might yeah. think we should be this mad, but we're up here. And, right. And right. so every time we re- like the way that we bring the reaction side down is to release and yeah. that way, you know, levels out. So like there's that kind of mom rage. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like the mom rage that I worry about as a clinician, mm-hmm. as a parenting expert and as a parent myself is the mom rage that has shame. It's like mm-hmm. I'm weaponizing shame. You know, yeah. I've never said I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, but there's a face that says it for me and I have yeah. to like watch my face. Yeah. You know, it's like when it's like a, like a vicious, yeah. like, and, and again, it's effective. Mm-hmm. Like it makes them stop, but like there's a cost again, you know, right. people think that like that rage is just an extension of anger mm-hmm. and I don't with kids and people. And I don't, I don't agree with that. Like, I think rage is anger plus shame. Hmm. Like shame is the thing that kind of takes it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's like an undertone of shame. Yeah, there's like a knife twisting yes. of it, I feel like. Well, we know from Glennon, Queen Glennon's mm-hmm. work, that like, you know, we we hot potato the shame, right? Yeah. It's so hot. It's so uncomfortable. It's so debilitating that we've just got to throw it, right? And so yeah. I think there's so, oh my gosh, like the pressure, the relentless pressure of like mm-hmm. motherhood and parenting and like having the good kid and being a good parent whose kids, all that, yeah. like- it's sometimes when like I have a compulsion to rage, it's about like, you're making me look bad Yeah. as a mom. And I'm feeling ashamed about what people think of mm. me as a mom. And so I need to put, I need to shut you the fuck down and put you in line. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's like my probably biggest trigger of like all time as a human and as a parent yeah. is the not good enough. Mm-hmm. The nothing I do is good enough trauma. And so that shows up a lot. Like that was a, like one of the main dynamics with me and my mom. And so sometimes my kids, when they like don't like the food I cooked yeah. or like, you know, I'm trying my hardest to help them and it's like not good enough. Yeah. There's a part that's like wants to like lash out and rage there. Cause it's like, yeah. it thinks I'm talking to my mother and it's like, nothing will ever be good enough for you, mm-hmm. you know, but it's really yeah. not my kid. But like, sometimes it gets misplaced on our kids. But I think there's a lot of shame there. Well, I think too, I keep thinking about, you know, your experience with when parents like lash out or get frustrated. And I had the experience recently where I shared, I did a whole episode on Barbie and I I dug really deep into like the Barbie research and really a lot of the research that says that like Barbies are bad is really hard to disentangle from all of the Mm -hmm. attitudes we have about Barbie. And some of the best research we have says that it's actually more important how, you know, your parents talk about their own bodies. That has a much bigger impact than whether your child plays with Barbies or not. If you also don't want your child to play with a Barbie, like, great. I don't care. But I kind of said that. And I had someone that reached out that just like was it was like rage of like women are already under so much pressure you know this is just coming across as another thing that I have to worry about and I have to do and to be psychoanalytical a little bit right like there's the shame right it's like Mm -hmm. there's clearly shame there that and I get it we all have those feelings I think when you are struggling with getting your child to sleep and you see someone saying the importance of sleep and you're doing this or that it's Yep. it's very triggering because the world is filled with people telling us we're not good enough parents. So yeah, that's what I keep thinking of too with when you've said like how strong you are about like not spanking kids and and all the things we've been talking about. It is like compounded shame that then they're throwing out because they can't handle their own shame. So I think trying oh to gosh. put it into perspective sometimes of 
we all have shame. We're all capable of like lashing out in our shame and being in this rage place. And it's coming out of, well, this is what I should do. And I don't want to do this and disconnecting from it. And instead, what kind of parent do I want to be? I don't know if I'm going to be able to always be there all the time, but trying to ground myself in what my values are. Mm, Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, we can have the best of intentions, but until we see the impact and how it hurt us, we are going to be blind to that. Like, it's just, I, again, like people are shocked when they get on a coaching call with me and I tell them stories of like times that I messed up. Like, that's really Mm -hmm. like the reason people say, why are you like, why are you here? Why'd you do this? I'm like, yeah, because when Allie was like, 14 months old my oldest and she had her first tantrum I remember Mm. it like it was yesterday and I have a really bad memory because dissociation but I can like put myself in that moment it was so traumatic she was on her changing table and she starts like pitching a fit and I had this voice I guess it was the inner critic that was like she's a brat shut her down Mm. and I was like who are you? Oh, you know, but like I was a monster. Like I would, and then I went on this like obsessive, Mm. obsessive journey to try to learn everything I could about parenting. I'd already learned a lot in grad school, kind of became an accidental parent expert on like an attachment stuff on like how I became so fucked up, you know, (laughs) how do you, is it possible to raise kids who can feel their feelings, who actually feel like literally how does one do that? But then it was like, okay, but literally what does this look like in the moment? Like, what are the words? How do I not be this monster who yells at my kids? Like this little cherub and I'm yelling at her, like, Mm -hmm. and all of the gentle parenting people I could find would act like, that's what you do. And I'm like, okay, but what, what happens when I can't do that? Yeah. Like what then? I'm just a failure. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's talking about the value actually Mm. of like me being imperfect and me losing it on my kids and all the gifts, the infinite gifts that come from that. I'm not arguing that I I like shoot for that, but it's inevitable as a person who like has struggled to learn how to feel her feelings as a human, you know, I'm learning alongside my child. And so when I do lose it, Mm. I, model for my kids Mm -hmm. what it looks like to like love myself through that it's okay that I made a mistake I model for them that they deserve Mm -hmm. for the person who hurt them to come around and say hey can we talk about what happened I think I might have hurt your feelings I'm seeing the impact I'm owning my behavior and I'm apologizing not just so that they'll know how to do those things right but so that alarm bells will be there if people they're in relationship Mm. with don't do it for them They'll believe like, wait, you're supposed to apologize. Yes. What would that be like, Amanda, for us to have those alarm bells? I do now. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I love that. And yeah, that I'm glad that you kind of spoke to that, to like gentle parenting and stuff like that too, because I think that there is a middle ground is what we're saying. I think gentle parenting can sometimes make it seem like you never raise your voice. You never mess up. You have to be perfect you mess up and sometimes also like you have to use certain tools because of your situation because of your life and not everyone has time to always show up as their absolute best self and we can have the best intentions but we fall short and yeah we need to talk about skills and strategies and how do we do the middle when I say no my kids know that I mean no I own the hell out of my no but I also make space for them to have feelings about my no they're allowed to be mad that I said no. They're not allowed to hit me because I said no, but they're yeah. allowed to be mad. They're yeah. allowed to be like frustrated to melt. Like 
that's what, like, we need to not be afraid to set our kids off, which is hard when you've mm. had a parent who had a lot of rage. Yes. We have to heal that because rage is going to feel like a threat to our survival, right? It's going to get us all activated and triggered. But like, we can own the hell out of our boundary. We just have to learn how to do that without shaming our kid. We need to say, I'm not going to let you do that. And it's not okay to do that, but there's nothing wrong with you. And I still love you. There may yeah. be consequences for your behavior. Right. And I love you. Like, yeah. you're not a disappointment. And like yeah. I, with my kids, when they're like vicious in their meltdowns, like Oliver's six and Ellie's nine, I go right into what my anti-shame scripts. Mm. So I go right with Oliver. It's been like, are you feeling bad about yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you worried I don't love you right now because you messed up? Because yeah. his inner critic is telling him yeah. without me even nurturing it. It's already there to reflect yeah. that back to him. And I speak right to it. It's like putting the fire out. Like they're moving into a shame response and we've got Mm -hmm. to reassure them and establish safety in their body that Mm -hmm. they don't need to be in a survival terror place. They're safe. They're secure. Yeah. Right. We have to like be able to tolerate them being mad at us to be able to tolerate them melting down because we said no. And we have to learn how to do that. And we have to learn how to feel safe through that. Yes. And that's where we're talking about is learning how to regulate yourself to be able to tolerate that because it takes something. It's not just like wanting to be there. We have to literally like work with our body and like help it feel safe. So many parents on my good kid videos about my story of being good kid, they're like, so you're telling me I don't have to feel ashamed that my kid blows up all the time? I'm like, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Yes. My kids blow up all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of that. Like, it's not fun. I wish it didn't have to be like this, but like worth it. It is so interesting because I just... I think so many parents, and I see this so much in my own parents, they were just so fixated on being a good parent and me being a good kid and me being successful. It was just so in service of fear almost that I was not a good kid. And then I would like, it left me being terrified that I wasn't a good kid. And then it created all of this shame for me. And I often growing up, I don't know if you relate to this. I felt like because I was people pleasing my parents, I had other ideas of what I wanted to do and I was suppressing them. I felt like I was pretending to be a good kid because of all my people pleasing. So it led to this really weird schism in me of like, I'm actually really bad, but I'm just pretending to be good. And if people knew the truth, I would be rejected. So I have to keep being good. And I can't ever let anyone know that I'm bad inside. And I was very afraid of being found out, essentially. Oh my gosh, that's my exact experience. Like I remember in the early days of my therapist, like Brene hadn't come out yet. Yeah. And so I remember saying, I have this feeling like who I really am is bad. Yeah. <laughs> like basically shame. Yeah. <laughs> I wish she could have been like, that's shame. You can work with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's probably why I'm here. I think when your inner child healing along side parenting it's a lot but it also mirrors and like the world has a funny way of like you know Mm -hmm. I'm healing something and the the universe will somehow like pull strings and like put myself in a situation with my kid and I'm like oh boy this is a healing one this one's for me you're just gonna put me right up against the thing I need to heal and just put it right like the screaming toddler in front of me and I'm (laughs) I'm having to learn how to love her when I would have felt so utterly unlovable Mm, yes right yeah. And so I remember one time Allie was having a meltdown and it was so triggering. And I remember that like the words that came to me from my inner self were, she's asking you, can you love me even like this? Mm. 
Oh, I get goosebumps. That's beautiful. Right? That's what she's asking. If we shame them and make them feel ashamed, the answer is no. They're like, okay, when I act like this, I'm not lovable. Got it. Right? Like, that's the nuance. Like, and, And I think one thing that has been so startling about being a parent is that I expected the best moments, the most, like, joyous, profound magic moments to be the the mountaintop moments Mm. and they're not like they're triggering as hell but like the moments where I love my kid I sit when she with her behavior says can you love me even when I lie can you love me even when I call you fat can I you know can you love me even when I'm like this and I can say I do yeah I do love you it's like heal something within me yeah it's powerful oh my gosh so powerful I love this I loved this conversation so much Maggie this is me too This is awesome. It feels like this is a really cool thing about being a parent. Not that you should be a parent for this reason, because I do not recommend that. But this is some of the stuff that to me, at least, I'm like, this feels like purposeful. And it feels Mm -hmm. like this really amazing like reward that I kind of get. Well, and parents will be like, how do I love myself? Mm -hmm. I hate myself when I do that. And I'm like, well, how do you react when your kid acts like that? And yeah. they're like, well, I, I do love them. And I'm like, yeah. and the skill set's there. We just got to turn it inside. Yeah. Oh, right? so good. So good. So Maggie, tell us more about where people can find you, what you're offering, if people want more of you. Thank you. So I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Maggie with Perspectacles. I still have Parenting with Perspectacles too. And I'm about to launch, by the time this airs, it might already be launched, a membership with my bestie and business partner, Abby Williams. She's the founder of You the Mother. And you've been on her podcast. I have, yeah. Um, And we're launching a membership called Mama's Healing Herself. And it's for moms who are healing. And just to try to create space for those of us who get hijacked by our trauma. And it really does make motherhood and parenting so different. Like it makes us question, why does this not come more naturally to me? Mm. Why do I, why do I get so mad when my friends seem just fine with Mm. the thing? You know, like we just question and we think, what's wrong with me? And the answer is nothing. Nothing is wrong with you, but we've got to have friends who get it. We've got to have a community and a place where we can feel like, oh, you struggle with that too. There's nothing wrong with me. So we're, we're launching that. And I'm really excited. Like the original calling to do this work was to support moms. And so I did a little detour on the parenting stuff. And so I'm really excited for, to have an ongoing project where I'm just supporting moms and moms like me who back in the day felt like such a failure, you know, my trauma made me feel like a failure, Mm. like a terrible mom. It told me I was a terrible mom a lot too. So I'm excited for that. Amazing. Well, I will link everything in the show notes. So please, everyone go check that out and follow Maggie on Instagram. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. To suggest an episode topic or support my work, visit amandaewhite.com. If you're interested in getting therapy from my practice, visit therapyforwomencenter.com. We're based in Philadelphia, but we have therapists serving 27 states across the country. 